0: Welcome to another episode of Your Money in 20, a podcast by your friends at Woodward Financial Advisors. So I'm Victor Colella, uh, your host and uh, advisor here at Woodward. And today we are talking about babies, what to do when you're going to have one, You know what to do if you've just had one or recently have one or have known someone who's recently had one. And I am joined by not only an expert in this topic and in financial planning, But my colleague, who is a first-time guest on this podcast, not really a guest, we'll call it co-host, Laura Neal. Hi, Laura.
1: Hi, Vic. I am super excited to be on the Woodward Financial Advisors podcast and my first podcast ever. I am a longtime advisor and a longtime parent of two... Not at all difficult and not at all expensive kids. So being a parent is super easy and that's the end of the podcast.
0: Yeah, right. Um, Well, uh, that's it. I guess we can end now. Um, Actually, uh, maybe not. So I think, Laura, when we were talking about recording this podcast, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fresh just to my parenting credentials. I have a six month old at home. So I'm real fresh off of thinking about a lot of this stuff. But uh it's a point in one's life, and tell me if you agree with this, where mm. you're coming to terms with a lot of things that you cannot control, just personally. Absolutely.
1: And I think
0: an astute point that you made before we started recording is that this is these are things that you can control that we're gonna just sort of give you some ideas of things to focus on. So
1: yeah, it'll be fairly
0: exactly. loosely structured. Uh But we're trying to come up with some ideas for you to think about.
1: Yeah, so I have a little bit of my background. I have a 15-year-old daughter, so she is doing her driving right now, learning to drive. That's an exciting time. I have an 11-year-old son. And so if I've learned one thing about parenthood, like you said, is you find out pretty soon you have much less control than you thought you had. But that's why I like financial planning because you can control the financial aspects of it. So that's what we're going to try to help people out with today is think through some of the things you can plan before the baby and after the baby. So I'm really excited about today's podcast.
0: So Laura, I'm going to dive right in and I'm going to just sort of structure our conversation here, which is that we're going to start assuming that you just found out that you're expecting. And we're we're gonna just do sort of almost a lightning round of things that you want to think about as soon as you can, and then we'll circle back to some things that may be a little less urgent, but also could still be helpful. So, with that, I'm gonna dive in. So, I'm gonna start with just sort of a, this list has seven or eight things, but um, first and foremost, you know, pregnancy and childbirth has healthcare implications. Uh, to say it lightly both in prenatal care uh you know delivery itself and then post uh, post baby care you've got now another human who needs health care right so you have to try and plan for that and i think in this um at least i'll speak personally i had no idea what prenatal i mean uh, prenatal care looked like i didn't know what my health insurance covered what my wife's health insurance covered so i think this one is all about getting familiar with your health insurance.
1: Absolutely. Anything else to add there, Laura? Well, I know that, you know, I've been on several different forms of life insurance, whether, or health insurance, excuse me, whether it be with a large corporation or with smaller ones. So I think the first thing to figure out if you haven't already figured out is, is your insurance better or is your spouse's insurance better? And that's a good thing to figure out before even the prenatal care begins to figure out whose insurance should you be on.
0: Yeah. and, And just some things that you may not have thought about before, you know, do you want a doula? You know, is a doula covered under your insurance? A lot of times they aren't, but there are free options and there are private doulas. So think about that piece, you know, is physical therapy something that, that is, if you want to be proactive as it relates to that, you know, is that covered? Is it not covered? And when you're evaluating your insurance, just try and figure out which ones are best there.
1: And that's right. insurance
0: for mom, most of all. Yeah. And then, you know, some folks may know this. Some might not if you haven't had children yet. You have, I think it's almost across the board, it's a 30-day window after delivery where the baby is automatically covered under mom's insurance. And then within that 30-day 30, 30 period, you have to choose whose insurance you want to choose in the long term. Um, easy to forget that in the, in the fog of war, I guess, in that first 30 days. Um, But just something to think about. You could choose a different insurance for prenatal and delivery versus ongoing care for the baby. So good time to just read through those super boring documents of your policies.
1: And I know at least when I had my first, they usually, when you make your first appointment, they give you kind of an estimate of what it should cost the whole shebang. I know you can go on Google and they estimate around $3,000 is what it costs to have a baby. But then there's all these, the exceptions with C-sections and things like that, that that you can't always plan for.
0: Yep. and, and, Make sure you understand what your out-of-pocket max is just in case things don't go according to the plan. They often don't. Mm -hmm. Um, Understand when your out-of-pocket max and your deductible resets. Understand what your deductible is too, but understand when those things reset because when you're making sure you've got cash flow available to cover those things, if you have a baby the month before your insurance resets, you may want to plan to pay Two out of pocket maxes or two deductibles. If you know, if you have a uh, baby with some additional healthcare needs, or if you mom has some some additional needs as it relates to that. So um, we could go way deep here. I think that's a good primer as it relates to health insurance. But um, just understand and use your healthcare providers to help you with this. Understand what's at stake financially. Okay. All right, the next one. I'll, I'll keep us moving, Laura. So budget for baby stuff. Hmm. Now, this can take a bazillion different forms, um, depending on... I mean, family has been generous to to my wife and I in the last year, especially as it relates to showers and all those sorts of things. I guess sprinkles are the showers for your second child. I'm learning all this terminology. Oh, that's a um, new one. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, which makes me laugh, but... Um, <laughs> Some things that you may not be thinking about here, other than just getting the nursery ready and those sorts of things. Home improvements. We hear this a lot. Folks who say, we really want to get this bathroom done before the baby gets here, or we really want to finish our kitchen before the baby gets here. Or in my case, my wife hates carpet. So she had been... (laughs) Requesting kindly that I do the hardwood floors for a couple of years and I finally stopped procrastinating when we found out we were expecting. So that could factor into your budget, uh, which is why we're bringing it up here.
1: And another one could just be lots of people when they're having their first baby realize that their home isn't big enough for a family. And so you may be thinking about moving into a new home And so think about the cost of that and don't get in over your head with a new home. You know, they kind of give a rule of thumb that your home expenses should be no more than 30% of your gross income. So you can kind of think about that if you're thinking about moving before you have the baby.
0: Right. And you know, all these things that we're talking about, it's worth mentioning they're not separate. I think it all turns into a sort of budget for the next twelve months, you know things things to budget for potentially in the next twelve months, and if you don't have the cash on hand, find ways to scratch it together, save, you know, try and try and find ways to bridge a gap if there's one that exists, and and part of that should be your emergency fund. So folks have seen a rainy day fund, emergency fund, basically, it's cash that you're setting aside in a safe place. Just in case something unexpected happens, so that could be unexpected healthcare. Could be your roof gets blown off. Okay, that's a weird one uh, off the top of my head. <laughs> well, I'm but- in Texas,
1: <laughs> so that's not that weird.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, I'll be validated there. Um, or uh, you know, your car breaks down, or you know, name the thing that you don't expect that you need to pay. You lose a job. You lose a source of income. Right. Right. Ordinarily, we tell folks three to six months of expenses is a pretty good place to start. Now, whether you're on the three side or the six side or more or less depends upon a lot of things. Your working situation, are you single or dual income household? A lot of things go into it, but if you're still working on building that emergency fund, so you've been gradually saving to build it up to $20,000, for example, uh, it it takes the stakes a little higher to introduce a new human into the equation. So maybe prioritize that as much as you're prioritizing uh, remodeling your bathroom, just as an example. Um, Anything to add on that one, Laura?
1: Yeah, you know... So my situation when I had my first is I made the decision to stay home. And so we knew that, you know, going into it. And so we were a two income family and we made the decision to day one when I found out I was pregnant to start living like we were a one income family because we knew that was going to be our reality in nine months. And so that gave us the opportunity to not only see what that felt like, but then build up our emergency fund. So that's not everybody's situation. Some people are going to, most are going to continue working. But if you continue working, what do you have? You have child care costs.
0: Yep. And I can yeah. speak to that one recently, right? Which is, it's at least in our area, in the research triangle, you know, Raleigh-Durham-Chapel Hill Getting into daycares is a nine-month process, which doesn't... Sometimes longer, they have wait lists. So for us, we we were doing daycare. We got on a wait list seven months before our due date. Really? And it worked out uh, because we were able to delay getting into starting daycare for a few months because of our maternity and paternity leave, which is something else you need to make sure you understand. But um, come up with some childcare plan, at least, uh, because sometimes you can't wait until the baby comes to figure that out if you have to get on wait lists or, and, and often it was just 50 bucks to get on the list. You didn't have to decide everything, but you want to keep your options open. Um, and I, I just want to circle back to one thing and then we'll sort of move on, Laura, which is that maybe you want to pay down some debt. So if you're talking about getting your monthly cash flow to a, as low a point as possible, you have some pesky student loans who are still around and you you may have the ability to pay some of those off and eliminate a monthly payment. Those types of things, it's a good time to at least restart the conversation. Nothing's cut and dry, but
1: Absolutely. it's a good time to
0: have the conversation again.
1: Yep, double income, no kids. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and <laughs> and put those dollars to good use. You yeah. know, you could go out to, you know, uh, fancy restaurants and on vacations, and you should because that's going to be harder. Mm-hmm. But balance that with uh, putting some things in place that are going to make your financial life a lot easier when the baby comes. Sure. Um, okay. So a few other things that we didn't cover in that first sort of list, which much of that had to do with budgeting and just sort of getting your cash flow in order. Um, one of those is insurance needs. We're not really talking about health care insurance here. We're talking about life and disability. And this is its own podcast, so we're not going to go crazy here. But basically, uh, if you don't have life insurance beyond small policies that you may have through work, and you have either unequal incomes or a single income household, especially if you're shifting to a single income from a double income, or if you just need some insurance in place, because if, if something happens to one of you and you have a baby, well, that really changes the situation. It's harder to make sacrifice as a single income now after you know, your spouse passes. So getting some insurance in place often at this time in your life, it's pretty cheap. If you get 20, 30 year term, you, know, you can get coverage for relatively inexpensive. Do it. Don't procrastinate it anymore.
1: I actually have a funny story, Vic, about getting life insurance because we both got our first life insurance policies when we had our first baby. And as you know, you have to get a health um, uh, check. Uh, yeah, health. Thank you, health screening. And so uh, my first one came 10 days early and she came on the day that my health screening was due for my life insurance policy. And so I was in labor and I called the life insurance uh, lady and said, I'm going to have to reschedule. I'm about to go to the hospital. And she was just like, I can't believe you called and uh, <laughs> actually took time to reschedule. So yeah, make sure you do that well in advance. <laughs>
0: I hope they gave you a good premium uh, yeah, for your yeah, dedication. Yeah, I'm still paying it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say the often forgotten uh, uh, you know, uh, sister or brother to life insurance is long-term disability insurance. This one is as important or more important than life insurance. And it, it pays if you have sort of a long-term disability that makes you unable to earn income. That's more likely when you're, let's say, 35 years old, that's more likely to occur than as you're you know, dying at, the, at that age. So right. trying, often folks get this coverage through work, but make sure if you have it available to to pull the trigger. You know, it's easy to procrastinate when it's two young, healthy people for life insurance and long-term disability, but now's the time to stop procrastinating. And I'll, I'll add one thing in a similar vein, and again, we're not going to go deep here, which is- if you don't have basic wills, guardian, uh, you know, wills, guardianship, you know, healthcare powers of attorney, healthcare, you know, living wills, those sorts of things, you know, ideal if you do it before you have the baby. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen for me and my wife. Yeah, we had we made sure our beneficiaries were all in order, right? So if something happened to one or the other of us, that the money was still going to go the right places. But Definitely put that on the list after the baby comes if you can't get to it beforehand. Because at least you have to choose your guardian for the baby if something happens. Yes. At the absolute minimum. And and that doesn't have to be a long process.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then sometimes a few years down the line, you decide to change the guardians and that's okay too.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't make the inability to decide who holds you up. It's easy Mm -hmm. to change if you need to. Um, Mm -hmm. So- Absolutely. Bump that up towards the top of the list. So we have two more quick ones in the next minute or so. So one being consider starting a 529 or UTMA plan. Mm -hmm. Alex and I recorded a couple of episodes on education planning before. We're not going to go into it now, but once you have a child, sometimes either you or generous family members are saying, how can we contribute to a college fund? It helps to have one in place. Absolutely. So I think that's all we say about that because it's such a deep topic. Um, but this last one, Laura, I think is close to both you and my heart here in recent days for me at, le- at least. But you know, you're going to have less time with the baby. Is that fair?
1: I think that's a fair assumption, Vic. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's been my experience. reality. <laughs>
1: yep.
0: Yeah. So you know, I, I was always very stubborn about outsourcing things around my house. So it's like someone coming to clean or having a lawn care service. And, you know, if you have the financial means and not everybody does, right? So this is uh, going to be a subset of people who are listening who f- feel like they have the extra cash to do this. But um, we started to to have someone cut the grass and occasionally have someone come in and clean our house. And it has been the best money we've spent in a long time. Absolutely. Uh, and I know you have similar stories, you know, <laughs> I yeah, was stubborn I, to do told, it and it made a lot of sense.
1: Right. I Well, I grew up with a dad who changed his own oil. So I had that kind of built into me. <laughs> right. And yeah. so there's a certain amount of guilt that went along with hiring. But um, when I was seven months pregnant, I hired my first house cleaner for just to get through the rest of my pregnancy. And uh, 15 years later, it's still working out for me. So I, I highly recommend that.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that goes for your financial life as well. So many folks look to get some financial help, either from a tax preparer, you know, say goodbye to TurboTax, maybe, or um, a financial advisor. You know, it takes time to stay on top of your finances. And if you have less of it, now may be the time to investigate ways to, to outsource it.
1: Yeah. I mean, we say financial planning is for everyone. And when we say that, we mean it because, when I had my second, and my second one was about a year old, I realized that I had not looked at my own financial accounts in probably a year, because I was still staying at home at this point. And so I contacted uh, an old colleague of mine to see if he would manage my accounts. And he said, I have a better idea. How about you come to work for me? And that's how I got back my foot back in the door of the financial planning business.
0: Well, I can't think of a better way to end. Laura, thank you. I hope this has been helpful for those listening uh, and uh, we'll look forward to the next one.
1: Thanks, Vic. I enjoyed it.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Your Money in 20, the podcast by your friends here at Woodward Financial Advisors. We hope you enjoyed it. Now, if you'd like to continue the conversation, you could find us on the web at woodwardadvisors.com and as a firm on both Facebook and LinkedIn. There's a link to those pages at the bottom of our website. You can also find us all as individuals on both Twitter and LinkedIn. Now, we love receiving listener suggested topics, so if you have a topic you'd like to hear more about, please hit the Let's Talk link at the top of our website and submit a message with podcasts in the subject line. Thanks again for listening and talk to you next time.